0: Good afternoon, Radio Maria people. This is another episode of Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Sacred Music Spotlight is a show where you, the listeners, and I take a look at different pieces of sacred music and unpack how the music expresses the religious faith, worship, and the word of God. The piece of the week this week is Verdi's Requiem. Bit of a quieter start than the beginning of the Haydn, I'll admit. The recording of the Requiem that we're listening to today is the 2017 recording by the London Symphony Orchestra and the London Symphony Chorus. Verdi wrote the Requiem in 1874. Its full name is the Messa de Requiem. Before we move on to another movement, let me tell you a bit about a technique that Verdi's using here. These strings are con short for con con meaning with, and sordini meaning mutes. Mutes are small little things which a string player will put on the bridge of their instrument to dampen its vibrations a little bit. While it does make the strings a little bit quieter, the main effect that the mutes have on the strings is to make the sound feel muffled. The result in this movement is that the strings sound a little bit dead, which is really fitting because we're thinking about someone who's died. Now let's listen to the next movement of the Requiem. Try not to get shocked out of your seat too much. The Dies Irae is a very dramatic and loud movement, and fittingly so. The text is talking about that day dismaying, and is like a fearful sinner pleading for salvation. So naturally, it's going to be very dramatic and despairing. Also, look out for, at one point, the aggressive whispering of the text. Let's listen to it. Buckle your seatbelts. 3... 2... One. That was the roller coaster ride called DS Irae, e. the first movement of DS Irae, e. the second section of Verdi's Requiem. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. There are in total about 200 to 280 ish performers in the Requiem. They include an orchestra, the Full Side Symphony Orchestra with the massive timpanis that you've just heard in the DS Irae. E. An SATB choir, SATB meaning soprano, alto, tenor and bass, and soloist for each part. Okay, that's not exactly true. There's a soprano soloist, there's a tenor soloist, and there's a bass soloist. But there's not an alto soloist. Instead, there is a mezzo-soprano soloist. Now, what does that mean exactly? Mezzo in Italian means multiple things, one of them meaning half or middle. So a mezzo soprano is just a middle soprano? Kind of. The range of a mezzo soprano is in between that of an alto and a soprano. Also, mezzo soprano is often shortened to mezzo. So if you see the word mezzo in any articles about singers, they're referencing a mezzo soprano. So you're probably thinking... Why would Verdi use a mezzo-soprano soloist instead of an alto soloist? It probably comes from his success as an operatic composer. In operas, if you're looking for a darker, lower sound than a soprano, then the go-to is usually the mezzo-soprano. Carmen, for example, has a mezzo-soprano lead. The alto was generally saved for roles which require a lot of gravity to them, which is rarer. I've mentioned Verdi being an operatic composer, but now I'm going to add a little fun fact. Verdi did not want people to think of the Requiem as being in any way related to his operas. He's quoted to have said, One mustn't sing this mass in the way one sings an opera, and therefore phrasing and dynamics that may be fine in the theatre won't satisfy me at all. Not at all. End quote. What I like about this is that there's a clear contrast between secular music and sacred music. They're under the same umbrella term of music, but they're very different. Secular music has a different purpose than sacred music. Secular music has the purpose of communicating with other people and sometimes for entertainment. But sacred music has an aspect of communicating with God. It's different and Verdi as a result wants this requiem to be performed differently from his operas and should be treated separately. Verdi's role also differs between his operas and his requiem. Often the text, or libretto, of an opera is written while it's being composed, so you can kind of control the text to max your desired plotline and music. But the text of the requiem has existed for ages, and you can't change that. So Verdi has no choice but to follow what the text says. Let's hear some of that following what the text says firsthand. The second movement of the D.S.E. Ray section is called "Tuba Mirum," roughly meaning "marvelous trumpet." Guess what instrument the beginning of the instrument features? Some epic fanfares from on-stage and off-stage trumpets. The rest of the brass eventually joins in, and then the orchestra and the choir. Join in too with the trumpets still doing their very cool fanfares. The whole thing sounds like it came straight out of a superhero movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Take it away, trumpets. tuba mirum, the second movement of Dies Irae, the second section of Verdi's Requiem. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Now I haven't actually talked about what a Requiem actually is. A Requiem is a musical setting of the text from the Requiem Mass. The text is in Latin and the Requiem Mass is a funeral mass, i.e. For someone who's just died so for whose death was this requiem written alessandro manzoni was an italian philosopher novelist and poet whom verdi admired and for whose death the requiem was written well actually not entirely in 1868 famous operatic composer rossini died Verdi assembled the great Italian composers of the time to write a requiem together, they each wrote different movements in Rossini's honour. Verdi wrote one of these, the Liberame. When it didn't get premiered, it got suddenly cancelled nine days before it was scheduled to premiere and when Manzoni died, Verdi essentially reworked and reused the Liberame, as well as writing the other movements. The Requiem consists of many sections which are broken down themselves. Those sections are the Requiem, the Dies Irae, the Offertory, the Sanctus, the Agnus Dei, the Lux Aeterna, and the Liberame. Let's look at Rex Tremendae majestatis. The main thing to point out here is Salvame, which is passed between the soloists and the choir, then between the soloists themselves, and then between the soloists and the choir again. The music is filled with turmoil, quickly alternating with loud and quiet as the singers are all pleading for salvation. Let's hear it.
1: Thank hey, you. Hey, 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 hey.
0: That was Rex Tremende Majestatis, the sixth movement of Dies Irae, the second section of Verdi's Requiem. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. It's nitty gritty time, let's look at Confutatis Maledictis. Verdi's following the text with aggressive music to mirror when the bass soloist is singing about the damned being confounded and consigned to bitter flames, and then switching the music entirely for a more dolce sound when talking about being blessed. Dolce is an Italian music term that just means sweetly more minor inflexions i.e slightly sadder but still soft when the text says i pray supplicant and prostrate hearts contrite as if in ashes have a care for my end the music becoming more dissonant or in other words clashy and pleading when the text is repeated the music becoming aggressive again when repeating the first lines about the damned the text becoming calmer but more pleading returning to the minor inflected material. Climactic moment leading to a set of chords that really want to resolve to E minor. And then you're thrown into the DSE ray again and in a completely different key. This is perhaps expressing the cruelty of death. There have been mixed opinions about this abrupt transition. Some scholars don't like it and call it a brusque transition. Others like it and call it highly daring and compare it with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony where Odes to Joy, this piece. Now let's listen to the Verdi, listen for the transition at the end. What do you think? Do you like it or not? That was Confutatis Maledictis, the ninth movement of Dies Irae, the second section of Verdi's Requiem. This is Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. I'm going to play the next and final movement of Dies Irae now, the Lacrimosa, in particular to look at one technique, the Tis de Picardy, or the Picardy Third, because this movement ends with one. The tiers to Picardy is a technique used when a piece is in a minor key. It's basically that the piece will end in a major version of that key. So, for example, if the piece is in A minor, with the tiers to Picardy, it will end in A major. If you want more examples of a tiers to Picardy, look up literally any Bach chorale in a minor key, and it will almost always end in a major key. I think the use of A Tears to Picardy at the end of G.S. Ray is quite symbolic. It adds a feeling of hope for a fate that at first seems terrible. It's also talking about Jesus and God granting eternal rest. It creates a feeling that God is with us in death. Also listen to the beautiful heart-wrenching melody at the beginning. that was Lacrimosa, the 10th movement of Dies Irae, the 2nd section of Verdi's Requiem. I think it's fun fact time. Here are some fun facts about Giuseppe Verdi. Verdi did not like Wagner. Verdi was an elected politician in 1859 and served on provincial council. Verdi liked Shakespeare and wrote operas about his plays such as Othello and Macbeth but he couldn't read English. Verdi devoted himself to farming, he bred horses and everything. And Verdi was apparently very good at cooking risotto. Risotto alla Milanese in fact, to be specific. And a sneaky little fun fact about me. This show is pre-recorded because at the time that this show is airing, I am rehearsing for a performance of Verdi's Requiem in Ely Cathedral. Concert's at 7.30pm today if you want to listen to the whole of the Requiem without me speaking in between. Let's think about the Sanctus now. It's a very fast-paced, rapid fugue. What's a fugue I hear you cry? A fugue is where one melody is passed between different parts. One part will sing the melody, then will get out of the way, while another part sings the same melody, usually in a different key, and then that part will get out of the way, so that yet another part can sing the melody, and so on, until everyone sung it, and then you can hear the melody sung by different parts just chucked around everywhere. If you want another example of a fugue that's less fast-paced than this one, Then again, the best person to turn to is Bach. He wrote a whole book of preludes and fugues that's worth listening to. The fugue that we're about to listen to, the Sanctus, is called a double fugue because the choir is split in two, i.e. there are two soprano parts, two alto parts, two tenor parts, and two bass parts. I remember the first time that we looked at this. It was really fun to put together, but quite challenging because you really have to stick to your guns because literally everybody around you is singing something different from you and you have to make sure that you're singing the right notes at the right time bit challenging to get used to but when you get the hang of it it sounds so good let's have a listen the fugue starts a few seconds in It's few time An epic fugue that was Sanctus, the fourth section of Verdi's Requiem. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Let's look at Liberame. This was the bit that was written for Rossini. The bit at the beginning has something similar to a recitative, so i.e. something that's closer to speech. It's a section where the soprano has a section that's a misura, basically there's no beat you have to adhere to, so go wild with the rhythms. If you want another example of something senza misura, the beginning and end of Benjamin Britten's Nurse's song is a good piece to listen to. The senza misura in the me means that the soprano can sing the words in a way that's closer to the rhythms of speech, or closer to the rhythms of desperate pleading pleading the words save me lord from eternal death on that momentous day when heaven and earth are moved a particularly nice instance of word painting when Verdi writes more moving parts when the singer talks about when heaven and earth are moved let's have a listen to it guess what music comes next? Clue. You've heard it before. Buckle your seatbelts. was Dies Irae, the second movement of Liberame, the seventh section of Verdi's Requiem. You're listening to Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Now what's about to happen in the next movement is really cool. Verdi's going cyclical, but slightly different. Listen to what I'm going to play here really carefully. It comes from the beginning of the whole Requiem. remember that music because it crops back in this movement with very similar lyrics. Let's listen to Requiem Eternam from Liberame. That was Requiem Eternum, the third movement of Liber Arme, the seventh section of Verdi's Requiem. I find that cyclical aspect of the Requiem very cool. So, what does this Requiem have to say about sacred music and the religious faith? Well, I think that this requiem shows a quite dramatic and honestly quite human reaction to death and mourning. And I think that if we take that journey and we go on that journey with Verdi in this music then we can identify with the with the with mourning and death more and the he in the text help us show at the end that there is hope and that there is God for us like, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In this Requiem, there's also a sense of a lot of melodies coming back, and there being a sense of coherence and kind of unity throughout the Requiem. For example, that D.S.E. Ray cropping up multiple times. And just general melodic shapes and harmonic progressions, like the cyclical Requiem Aeternum section of the Liberame gives this sense of unity that might have reflect the idea that we as a species, we humans are all united together in our humanity and in our death and in the kingdom of God that follows afterwards. And that re- and this Requiem Mass is here to show us the that at first it might seem like this is horrible but in fact there is hope and that leads me on to the last movement of the requiem which is called libera from libera this Liberame starts with the same senza misura section for soprano see what i was talking about for unity then another fugue see what i was talking about for unity And then a bit for solo soprano, and then a build-up to an emphatic presentation of the words liberame, with an emphasis on may, as the solo soprano goes up to the stratosphere with some very high notes. This dies down to another quiet statement of the text with the speech rhythms, and a quiet and strong resolution. Also at the end of the Requiem is another Teister Picardy. This transition from the darker minor to the lighter major makes me very happy. To me, it's like comfort is found in God, like in the Beatitudes where it says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That there is the kingdom of heaven for after death, that there's hope in God for the dead. After a very dramatic tempestuous and generally dark and despairing requiem, having such a warm and hopeful ending is comforting and just plain genius. Bravo Verdi. a me domine
1: de morte eterna, in die illa treme.
0: was Sacred Music Spotlight with me, Mariam. Next week, I'm going to be looking at another text, the Magnificat, and in particular, the setting of the Magnificat by one of the most prolific and meticulous composers of all time, who I have mentioned already twice on this show, Johann Sebastian Bach. See you then.